0: Anyway, I was asking Larry how this all got started, he said it all started in law school, and uh, basically what happened, his first law class that he went to, the professor asked him, he said, now, if you are going to give someone an orange, what would you say to them? And Larry said, here, I'm giving you this orange, and the professor said, no, 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 that is all wrong, you have to begin to think like a lawyer if you're going to become a lawyer. So Larry responded, Okay, I'd say, I hereby give and convey to you in singular my estate and interest rights title claim and advantages of and in said orange together with all of its rind, juice, pulp and pits and all rights and advantages with full power to bite, cut, freeze and otherwise eat the same or to give it the same away with or without the rind, skin, juice, pulp or pits, anything herein before or here and after in any other way, nature, deed or deeds, instrument of whatever nature or kind whatsoever to the contrary and otherwise notwithstanding. And that's how it all got started. <clears throat> so, that, that, that's how it all got started, and now we are the victims of that. So, anyway, just so that you all understand, I am just so glad that God is not like an attorney. And that, it's amazing, God just kind of says it the way it is, and that's the way it goes. And uh, it conveys it in very simple terms, and forthright, and in very simple words. And, uh, and it's important, as we examine what we're going to discuss this morning, as we look at the, uh, the dangers of pornography... One of the things that we'll see is that it's an industry that has definitely contributed to the moral decline of our culture. Uh, The mere mention of the word pornography conjures up a variety of ideas uh, in each one of our minds. And so as we go through this, there are some questions that we need to ask. Number one, you know, what is considered pornographic or what is pornography? Number two, what would be considered obscene? What would be considered lewd? and the the latest issue that's come up in our culture and we'll talk a little bit about it is but wh- what do we consider art? And we'll discuss that in a minute. What's legal? What's moral? As we've gone through this whole series, these are the kind of questions that we've wrestled with, and in this session we're going to start with the basics and the hopes that we'll have a better understanding of the problem and how it has permeated our society. And while I go change microphones, you can all just visit with your neighbors for a second. I don't know. So for those of you who are li- listening, listening, and <laughs> those of you who weren't, you are now. <laughs> those of you listening by tape, it gave you a chance to run to the refrigerator, grab something to drink, and come on back and join us. So anyway, we're going to look at the dangers of pornography, but the first thing that we need to do, and, and I think, well, good morning, how are you? Nice suit you have on. Everybody got to see you as you walked down the aisle there. <laughs> Is it new? <laughs> no. Is uh, to address the question by simple definition. What, what is pornography? By definition, the, the word pornography, our English word, comes from two Greek words. Number one, the first word has to do with prostitute or prostitution. And the second word has to do with writings. So to break down the word, and sometimes we need to do this just to define it to understand or, or to have an understanding of what the word conveys in our culture. But simply put, pornography is the writings of prostitution or the writings of sexually explicit activities outside of the bonds of marriage. And that's pornography. The problem with that is, is the American College Dictionary continues this thought, and it says that pornography is obscene literature or art. The problem is, what is obscene? And that's where we begin to run into all types of problems in our culture as we try to define it, because that's really what we're dealing with, obscenity laws. And what is obscenity? The, the uh, dictionary says obscenity. You know what's so funny, too, And you talk to people about what is obscene, mo- you know, the, the age-old argument has always been, I can't really explain it to you, but I know it when I see it. You know, and, and that's the definition of it. And you've heard that said before. I, don't, I can't explain it, but I know it if I see it. Well, the problem is, how do you define it? And uh, as you go through the definitions, obscene is offensive to modesty or decency, indecent, lewd, abominable, disgusting, repulsive. Think about that. In a very subjective culture that we live in, every one of us have a differing opinion of what we would consider to be obscene. What is repulsive? What is offensive? You know, we we see that just as we try to uh, uh, agree or at least learn to appreciate the differences between one another. Some people find certain things offensive, other people don't. Some people enjoy it, other people don't. See, the problem is when people are involved in the defining process, it gets all messed up because it's so subjective. But offensive to modesty or decency, well, we go on further. Indecent means offending recognized standards of good taste. Lewd, inciting to lust. Lust, an overmastering sexual desire or appetite leading to lawlessness, considered sinful. So for me to better understand the problem of pornography, what I did was I took, I took all those definitions, tried to understand the general picture of it, and came up with one definition of my own and that is that pornography according to all the definitions is the writings or depictions of sexual activity outside the boundaries of heterosexual marriage which create a desire within the re- those reading or viewing such material or activities to fulfill sexual urges in ways that violate a recognized acceptable standard which leads to the next problem what is that recognized socially acceptable standard? And that's where we're coming into the difficulty again, because what is the standard or pro- of propriety or good taste? And is it a legal definition, or is it a moral definition? See, the, the dictionary defines it as being lawlessness, which means it has to violate something legal or a law. If it's also considered sinful, then it must also violate a moral law so we have that dilemma or that problem again about what is legal and what is moral lawlessness violates those things which are legal uh... sinfulness violates those things which are moral and the history of our country has been founded upon moral laws have been the foundation of our legal system and when that becomes reversed or there's no more morality in our culture then all we're left to deal with is the legalities of an issue or the legalities of something that we need to deal with So as you go through this, we've already seen in the series that there are many activities in our culture today currently that are considered legal but are unequivocally condemned as immoral or sinful according to moral laws of God as are found in the Bible. So in this particular session, what I want to do is lay a legal foundation for what we're dealing with and the confusion and then go to a moral foundation, which will hopefully, hopefully help us understand why we're so confused in the legal side of things and also offer us some, some direction to go and some hope for the future. As we go through this, you'll see that you know historically, and I want to bring this up, in 1957, the U.S. Supreme Court held that, quote, obscenity is not within the area of constitutionally protected freedom of speech and press. So the argument that we have in our country today about being able to express yourself any way that you want is really a misnomer, and we'll be able to break that down in in a second, but it's really a false argument, and it has no basis on which to stand upon, but it's used all the time. That's a violation of First Amendment rights of of freedom of speech and freedom of press. No, it's not. The the, The United States Supreme Court held that it's not protected under the First Amendment. They said that obscene material in the legal sense is that which is deliberately designed to arouse a desire for illicit sexual activity and which, by this definition, threatens harm to society. This is their cop out, if you want to call it that, or in other words, this is probably the best thing that can happen for all of us, and that's this. The Supreme Court continually uses this anytime they are approached with this particular subject. The Supreme Court has gone on to say that is contemporary community standards contemporary community standards. Now this is great and it's also bad. This can be either good news or terrible news depending upon the composition of the community and depending upon that segment of society which is most vocal and most visible. Let me ask you a question and and you think about this and think through how, how logical for a second this is is pornography deliberately designed to arouse a desire for illicit sexual activity well any informed person would say absolutely but the problem we have in defining terms is what is illicit see that all these words actually words do mean something what is illicit well not long ago in our culture illicit sexual activity was any sexual activity outside the confines of heterosexual marriage we had laws in our country to protect society against activity outside of marriage. Sex outside of marriage was illegal not long ago. Think about it from the standpoint of adultery. Not long ago, before there was such an epidemic of divorce in our country, adultery was considered a grounds for divorce and also for a favorable divorce or settlement for the person who was innocent, contrasted to the person who was guilty of committing a- adultery. Not long ago, and there still is on our books in our country, laws against sodomy, which protect society from homosexual behavior. Those laws are being challenged and contested today. There are also consent laws, which protected children from adults abusing and taking advantage of them in the areas of sexual activity. Those consent laws are now under challenge in our country. What's next? Rape? Incest? Bestiality. You see, the problem that we have today is that we tolerate many things which not long ago were not only considered illegal, but they were founded upon a moral basis or consensus. That's no longer the case. And so as a result, if you think about this, and you think about their definition, and here's how absurd it is, obscenity is not, okay, they go on to say that it is the desire for illicit sexual activity which by definition threatens to harm society. Well let me ask you a question, has not sex outside of the boundaries of marriage harmed our society? All you gotta do is look around and consider the statistics as far as sexual diseases are concerned and just look at the epidemic of AIDS. So by their definition if we were to use that, which of course we can't because that's not what they meant I guess, is that you know, but based on that definition then we should be protected from this type of material that gets in the hands of people who promote such activity. But the point is, the, the pornography industry continues to grow and gather momentum as it methodically tries to, in its way, push the limits of what's considered adult material. Now, in 1973, and here's an update from the 1957 case, illegal, where they defined illegally sec, illegal sexual, sexually explicit materials. Number one, this was in the case of Miller versus California, In in 1973, the Supreme Court agreed with the ruling of 1957 that obscenity is not protected under the Constitution. However, for sexually explicit material to be found illegal, it must meet the following three tests. Number one, it appeals to purient interests. And if you're like me, you don't have a clue what that means. So you run to the dictionary, you look it up. Purient means to incite to lust. All right, I'll just go through these. Number two. It depicts sexual activity in a patently offensive way. OK? See, this all starts in law school. <clears throat> Number three: it lacks serious literary, artistic, political or scientific value. Now can I just, th- just want to go through these one at a time, and maybe it's me, but I-, I just like to keep things as simple as possible. Does pornographic material appeal to Purian interest? Does it arouse sexual desire in the person or persons who are viewing such material? Duh, yes. All right, number two. Does it depict sexual activity activity in a patently offensive way? Well, here's the issue. If it's depicting sexual, sexual activity outside of the confines of heterosexual marriage, then from a moral standpoint, I'm offended by that. And I would hope that you would be offended by that. Stop and think about this for a minute. I mean, we've got cartoons, we've got comics, we've got books, we've got novels, we've got uh, videos. I mean, I'll go through all these. We've got a variety of sources that are depicting sexual activity outside of heterosexual marriage as being somehow healthy and okay. And the reality of it is, when I read the Bible, it's offensive to me. It's offensive to me to sit down with a show and watch my children watch a, a program that promotes some gal and some guy who are dating having sex after the first or second or third or whatever date just to show that. It's offensive to me, patently offensive to me, to have my kids sit and watch somebody jumping in the sack and see two guys hugging and kissing each other or two women hugging and kissing or whatever. It's a patently offensive to me that shows like Roseanne would be allowed to show what they showed a, a month ago on their, on, on their show. See, you know what, and here's what happens. You push the limits as far as you can until someone, somewhere, gets so offended by it that they say something about it. Unless nothing's said, nothing will be done, and it's going to continue. Lacks serious literary, artistic, political, or scientific value. Oh, let me bring in the National Endowment for the Arts just for a minute. We've set aside in our budget this year, in our country, $178 million dollars to fund homoerotic and other pornographic works of art, $178 million. And this isn't a political thing, because George Bush had the same problem. John Fromier was, was a, his chairman of the National Endowment of Arts, and he ran around and funded every homosexually explicit piece of artwork, quote-unquote, that he could find. I mean, if I read these things, it would just disgust you of the type of thing that was going on in our country. I mean, we're talking about, here, here's a, a, an art exhibit, quote, showed images of male sex or, organs draped with rosary beads. One of the exhibits showed two gay men embracing in bed swaddled an American flag while wearing a crown of thorns. An obvious, heinously tragic, blasphemous reference to Jesus Christ, an intended insult to all of American patriotism, and we fund that out of the National Endowments for the Arts you go through it I mean it's just it's more gross it's more vulgar but the point is you know what what in the world are we doing and you know you can become And the problem that we have is President Clinton and their administration has gone on record to say that they will make ensure access to arts for all of our citizens as president and vice president this was in their uh, platform speech we'll defend freedom of speech and artistic expression by opposing censorship or quote unquote content restrictions on grants made by the National Endowment for the Arts. We will continue federal funding for the arts and promote the full diversity of American culture recognizing the importance of providing all Americans with access to the arts." And this is nonsense. It's nonsense because here we are, we're funding satanic and pornographic art. I like what George Orwell said 45 years ago when he was uh, looking at an essay on the depraved art of Salvador Dali. He said this, just pronounce the word art And everything becomes okay. You know what? We can become so open-minded and so tolerant, open-minded, that our brains fall out. This is ridiculous when you go through and take a look at it. What are some of the other things that are kind of getting on my nerves? Well, (laughs) glad you asked. Here are some things that we need to deal with. How about the exploitation of children? In the spring of 1986, a report was released by the U.S. Attorney General's Commission on Pornography. Among the conclusions that were unanimously agreed upon by the 11 members was that any pornographic material forced on children or obtained by children is harmful. They condemned child pornography in no uncertain terms and stated that it constitutes child abuse. Yay, good for them. But in September of 1993, September 23rd to be exact, the Department of Justice filed a brief before the U.S. Supreme Court that redefined child pornography. Unbelievably, the position taken by Attorney General Janet Reno is that the producers and distributors of wretched sexually explicit material cannot be prosecuted unless children are depicted lasciviously engaging in sexual conduct and the material must include a visible depiction of the genitals or pubic area of the body this is outrageous behavior on the part of our nation's chief law enforcement official that is ridiculous she is put in a position of public trust to protect us from that type of situation from that type of industry from that type of exploitation of children it's her responsibility as chief law enforcement officer to make sure that our our, our children are not violated In this manner, that's her job, and how dare her try to redefine what the commission decided several years ago? And they were all unanimous in their agreement upon it. This is nonsense. This is—I mean, it's—it's—it's tragic, and something needs to be done about it. Number two, we see this problem and current issue is sex and advertising. Think about this. During the past few years, largely due to widespread tolerance of pornography, the marketing advertising firms have been taking bolder steps in the use of sex and nudity to promote their products. I mean, look at Calvin Klein. Calvin Klein, they got the obsession commercial. Here's one. They've got an advertising book that they published with 116 pages of sexually suggested poses. Men with women, men with men, women with women, caressing, fondling, kissing, and orgy-like scenes. Guess genes. Or here's a good one. How about Remember this one? The boys, they come back from a day of hunting and fishing. They're sitting back. They're kicking back by the tent. They grab a bottle of Stroh's beer, and this is what they say. Man, it can't get any better than this. Well, apparently now it can't get better than this. Because as they're sitting back saying it can't get better, any better than this, the school, Swedish bikini team parachutes out of an airplane and lands where they're now fishing and hunting. And what's the whole purpose of that? Well, it's Here's here's a lawsuit that was brought up by a feminist group. Here's what Stroh's beer argues. Well, that commercial was meant as a parody of typical beer commercials and companies that use sex to sell their products. (laughs) Wait, wait, that's all go, oh. Oh, that's what it is, huh? I mean, think about it. Today's ads don't convey any information about a product. They're geared to arouse emotions, particularly sexual ones. And Toyota, here's one I just saw about Toyota. They show a car then they show two, two, uh, a guy and a gal dancing. They flash back to the car driving down the street, then they show the guy and the gal getting closer together. They flash back to the car, and then they show the guy and the gal kissing. They flash back to the car, showing the guy and the gal you know, getting a little more and more intimate, and then they begin to uh, dance sexually suggestive type dances. Then they flash back to the car. And then, it's, and then the, the, the bottom line is, uh, isn't it time that you bought a Toyota? <laughs> I mean, it's It's ridiculous. And what's so sad and the tragedy of all of this is, is that not until very recently, the business community has always acted as a conservative force in our society. And now, you know, their ad, the ad program is, you know, a little jingle with a little jiggle. And that's it, man, that's the magic formula to sell a product. Well, you know what, I mean, we need to start, we need to start to realize that businesses need to be held responsible not only for what they sell, but how they sell it and how ridiculous it is to go buy a product based on no product claims or no product advertising, but because they got a jiggle with a jingle, and that's what they're doing to market a product you know I guess what happens is is if more and more people become offended by this and more and more voices are heard and we become more vocal then we'll send a message to businesses hey you know what we want to know about your product we don't need some sexually explicit commercial to try to convince us to sell something or arouse something we need to know what you're trying to sell and if more of us would do something about that then maybe the Swedish bikini team would have to pack up their bags and go back to Sweden I don't know you know but stop and think about how nonsensical all this has become how about adult videos this is, this is another tragedy because years ago a Los Angeles Times article wrote this about adult theater in the American homes. Men and women who wouldn't be caught dead going to a porno show plunk down as much as a hundred bucks at neighborhood video stores to take home copies of such improbably titled video cassettes as Blazing Zippers, Lusted First Bite, and on and on it goes. The article goes on to say, other than for child pornography, US law enforcement has adopted a hands-off attitude toward x-rated film since the Supreme Court's 1973 obscenity ruling that "quote community standards must apply in deciding what is pornographic," in 1983 video sales hit one billion dollars, of which 150 million of it was from adult videos. Okay, listen to this: one billion in 1983. In 1993, it was 5.9 billion dollars. And adult videos comprised $885 million. What more do we need to say? And the tragedy of all of it is is that he's exactly right. Because you and I both know there are people who watch adult videos that would never go out in public and do it, but now they are deceived into believing that they can do it in the privacy of their own home as if somehow it doesn't affect them. And that's nonsense. Phone sex. Here's one. Any kid can pick up a telephone and dial the numbers that come up on some of the off channels that you have access to on your, on your television. Any child, any person of any age can pick up a phone and be exposed to all kinds of sexually suggestive activities. Large numbers of children across the country listen to vivid dramatizations of sodomy, rape, bestiality, incest, incest bondage, and sex between children and between adults and children. All you have to do is pick up a phone. Dr. Victor Klein is a professor of psychology at the University of Utah, has done extensive studies on pornography and its victims. He argues that children who have been exposed to pornography cannot handle the strong sexual feelings that it brings forth. Cases abound where children have become involved in sexual crime immediately after repeated calls to numbers like this. Two boys aged 13 and 15 as well as an 11-year-old girl called Dalaporn 57 times within a few hours. As a result, the boys raped the girl and another girl in the neighborhood. These facts, and many like them, are documented with law enforcement agencies all across our country. So I just want to give you a little legal background because, you know what, you can see that it's a major problem in our culture because we no longer can define what is obscene and what isn't obscene. And it's important that we understand what the Bible does say about pornography because this is the only hope that we have from a moral foundation of trying to determine. Now there are many of us who would like it to say, you know, commandment number seven, thou shalt not not watch X-rated movies. I mean, that's how, you know, some of us are so simplistic in our approach to things that we would like it to say that. But then what it does say, thou shalt not do, we still come up with reasons and rationalize why it really doesn't mean that in my particular case. So what I want to do is give you an overview of what the Bible has to say about pornography so that we can get a better understanding. You know, the Bible very clearly teaches there's a way that seems right to man, but its end is always destruction. And this certainly is true of pornography. And as we go through it, and see if you don't agree. Number one, and uh, we're going to go blazing through these. Nudity between a husband and wife is never condemned in the Bible. Genesis 2.25, the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Contrary to what the pornographic industry tries to imply about the teachings of those who follow the Bible, we are not against nudity within marriage. The Bible is not against nudity within marriage. The Bible says that they were both naked and not ashamed. You know, it's interesting as you go through it that people try to make us out to be somehow prudish in our attitudes toward things, but the Bible does not condemn nudity between a husband and wife in marriage, plain and simple. Number two, sexual enjoyment and pleasure between a husband and wife are encouraged in the Bible, Proverbs five eighteen through 20. May your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. As a loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be captivated by her love. Why be captivated by a son, by an adulteress? Why embrace the bosom of another man's wife? The Bible clearly teaches that sexual pleasure within marriage is to be enjoyed. That was God's ideal from the very beginning. So, as Christians, we are not against nudity. We are not against sexual pleasure within the confines and the boundaries that God established within heterosexual marriage. In fact, God promotes it, and he openly advocates it. And if you ever have a question about that, you know, read First Corinthians chapter 7, as far as the duty of a husband is to his wife and the wife to her husband. Read the book of Song of Solomon. I mean, God's all for it. This was his idea from the very beginning. We need to understand that. Number three, the Bible condemns sexual activity outside of marriage. Hebrews 13.4 says marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept Pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. The Bible clearly teaches all sexual activity outside of heterosexual marriage is wrong before God. You know, it's interesting. I heard uh, not long ago, um, it was, well, it was probably a while ago, and I read of the account that um, they were interviewing Joe Namath and they were interviewing Roger Staubach during one of the Super Bowl things. And Joe Namath was noted for his Playboy-ish exploits and, and all the different women they'd have been with, blah, blah, blah and the gal who interviewed him then went to interview Roger Staubach Roger Staubach is a Christian he's a a dedicated man to the Word of God and she asked him this question which I thought was rather interesting when you hear about all of Joe Namath's exploits uh, don't you feel a little jealous when you see all his activities and all he's going on and Roger Staubach thought for a second and I love his answer he said you know what what makes you think that I'm not as sexually active as Joe Namath and the lady was like Like she thought she had a scoop, right? (laughs) She goes, what? What do you mean by that? He goes, hey, wait a minute. I'm just as active as Joe is, but all of my activity is focused and centered on one woman, my wife. (laughs) Hey, way to go, Roger. I mean, that's really what it's all about. You know, and people would have you believe that because you're against pornography that somehow or another you're against sex. That you're against nudity. And that's not true at all. And that's the furthest thing from what the Bible teaches. We need to understand that. We also need to understand, number four, that the Bible condemns the abuse of children in very severe terms. There's no way you can get around this. Matthew 18, 6 and 7. But if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck or her neck And to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to sin. Such things must come, but woe to the man through whom they come. You know, and I think that we need to understand that. We need to understand that anybody who exploits children is condemned unequivocally as far as God is concerned in any manner shape or form whatever the type of abuse it is whether it's exposing him to pornography whether it's abusing him sexually or physically in any way God says man I'll tell you what it's better that you just hang a millstone a big stone around your neck and jump into the sea because when I'm done with you there ain't gonna be much left Now that was the new living version by the way <laughs> number five the Bible urges that believers avoid dirty jokes and talk that encourages and describes sexual sin Ephesians 5, 3 and 4. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Pornography is filled with stories of sexual sin and vulgar talk. The sad thing about our American culture is that we are now observing on a regular basis the use of profanity and vulgar language on television. All you've got to do in prime time is turn to it. And what we need to understand is there's no room for that in the life of a believer. It shouldn't be tolerated. I love what Bill Cosby had to say to some of the young up-and-coming comics. He said, hey, anybody can use the F word over and over 50 times and think that they're being funny. But let me tell you something. What's funny is to be able to to last 30 to 40 years in this business and be able to do it without offending people in any way. That's funny. That's comedy. That's humor. What you're doing isn't humor at all. And he's been attacked from many of those who are in the industry. But I I take my hat off and I applaud him for the values that he promotes. Because what he's saying is true. As far as believers are concerned, there's no room for any of that in our life. Number six, the Bible also warns us about our sexual thoughts. Matthew 5, 27 and 28, you've heard that it was said, don't commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. God doesn't condemn condemn sexual desire, but what he's saying is we've got to be careful about what we think. Now let's just stop and think for a second. What type of thoughts does pornographic material promote in a person's mind? Certainly not good ones. Certainly not healthy ones. Certainly not ones that would limit your sexual activity within the confines of marriage. That's why Jesus warned this man. He said, look, when you're looking on this woman, and the problem that he had was he was looking on a particular woman who happened to be married because he wanted to have sex with her. And God said, and Jesus said, listen, hey, don't be looking at that woman to have sex with her because you've committed adultery in your heart. Because of your heart, it precedes our actions. What we think about always precedes what we do. Ted Bundy was a great example of it. He was a serial murderer that murdered 25, 24 women, and his confession and his conversations and interview with Dr. James Dobson said that pornographic material had very much affected the way that he thought. And it's, and it's documented all throughout the country. Here was a guy in Georgia, Richard Daniel Starrett, assaulted teenage girls and young women while his wife was away. His attacks were influenced by pornographic literature that fueled his fantasies. Said he kidnapped them, three of them, killed one of them, assaulted four others, and is also a suspect in unsolved abductions and sexual assaults in Alabama, North Carolina, California, Texas, and Tennessee. When search his rented warehouse a mile from his home, guess what they found? 935 pornographic books and magazines depicting sexual bondage, horror scenes, and nudity. They also found criminology textbooks and books about serial killer Ted Bundy. They found 100 videotapes, some of which were films of stared sexual assaults. And according to Lexington County Sheriff James Metz, Starrett said that pornography had stimulated his criminal behavior. And the porn- pornography industry says, oh, why would you believe someone like that? Because he was there, he did it. And he's telling us what he was thinking about and what led to his, what, what his assaults. I mean, the Bible warns us about what we're thinking about. It also, the Bible indicates that pornography causes emotional turmoil in believers. In 2 Peter 2, 7 and 8, it says, And if he he rescued Lot, a righteous man, who was distressed by the filthy lives of lawless men, and this specifically is addressing the area of homosexuality, which we'll talk about the week after Easter, but for that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds that he saw and that he heard. Emotional torment. I've got letters, I've got a whole bunch of things that I can share with you but the bottom line is that anybody who's ever been involved in viewing pornographic material that's ever been hooked on it can tell you and testify of the turmoil that it causes in their life. It distorts how they think, it distorts how they perceive society, it distorts how they even view their own marriages if they happen to be married, it distorts how they view sex within their marriage, it distorts how they view women, it distorts how they view everything. Sexually explicit material messes us up emotionally, and the Bible clearly tells us that that's exactly the end result. And finally, 1 Thessalonians 5.22 says, The Bible urges the believers to abstain from every form of evil. And pornography certainly is a form of evil, and we need to understand it. In conclusion, let me ask you this. What should be our response? What should we do about it? Number one, the reason pornography is so hard to stop is that you can see from the law it's, un- it's unenforceable. It's vague. It's unenforceable. It's a matter of, you know, who says what about what. It's subjective. The Supreme Court's definition of obscenity is too vague for local government to apply effectively. The majority of Americans don't understand the severity of pornography in our country. It's just not Playboy magazine. We're talking about serious, debilitating, violent acts of sex, included all of those things. But for 885 million dollars a year in videos, this isn't just about some magazine that's in some drugstore, although that should be a concern as well. Many of us are on a, uh, uh, you know, many of us don't want to get involved. So I just want to throw out a couple of thoughts. How do you stop it? I like what uh, the president of the National Coalition Against Pornography, Jerry Kirk, said in this statement, he said, If Americans know what obscenity is, and know that the key to law enforcement is contemporary community standards, and know that those standards are established by citizens, they will rise up en masse. You see what he's saying? Here's how simple this is. He's saying, if the courts continually say that it's subjected to local community standards, then all it takes is people in the local community to say we will not have any of that in our community. We define what that community standard is. We shouldn't tolerate adult bookstores on any corner, any business, in any community. I applaud the people that are trying to shut down every one of these places that are over in an area that they deem to be a a business district. So what? We define, according to the courts, what the local community standards are. I'm going to run down some things, and you take it for what it's worth. I don't believe that any Christian should ever rent an X-rated film, video, or magazine. I don't believe because it's accessible when you go to a hotel that you should ever watch anything that's like that. Because you've got to look at everything that the Bible has to say. Is it something that leads you closer to the Lord, or is it something that deviates and dements your thinking as far as the things that God said are holy and are approved by God? You shouldn't go into any bookstore, adult bookstore, or establishment that sells ranch promotes pornographic material. I think we should complain publicly when any type of business like that wants to become established in our community. And all we need to do is put pressure on those who are in the city council and ask them how they're going to vote on whether this business is going to be established down the street. And then, hey, then you vote them out if they vote for it. Because it's obvious they don't represent the community standard, and that's their job to uphold it. As a parent, we should make sure that no X-rated or R-rated movies are ever shown in any public school. And if they're going to show something, then we should have the right to be able to withhold our children from class that day or pull them out and not have to give any explanation other than we just don't find it appropriate for our children to watch it. Which brings up the next thing. Our children should learn about sex from us as their parents. They shouldn't learn about it at school in the sex education classrooms, which are now distorted and demented and have no moral basis or foundation. They should learn about it firsthand from their parents. It's called parental involvement, it's teaching your kids what God's view is of sex teaching your kids there's nothing wrong with nudity, teaching your kids there's nothing wrong with sexual enjoyment and pleasure within marriage, teaching your kids what commitment's all about, and also the dangers that are out there as far as sexual disease and emotional turmoil. They should hear that from us firsthand. It's called parental involvement, which means you better also be checking what kind of comic books your kids are reading, and what kind of books they're reading, and what kind of stories that are being assigned to them and what they're reading. It means you've got to get involved in their life and not assume that because some teacher or some classroom gave it to them as a homework assignment, that everything in it is okay. Because it's not. We need to make sure we get involved in the music that they're listening to and what kind of words are being promoted and what kind of activity is promoted we need to make sure if we're watching television and it's offensive in any way to any moral standard that we have enough guts to say listen you know what that's wrong what they're promoting is wrong and what god has to say is this 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 and this and we can't accept that that's nonsense and you need to understand it because 40,000 hours of television permeate every one of our kids during the course of a lifestyle and they're picking up as role models or examples the things that they see demonstrated that's why not long ago when television shows promoted moral values it was a reinforcement process of that Which was right. That's why Ozzy never ran off with his young secretary. I mean, those things didn't happen. Why? Because they promoted biblical, moral, foundational values on their shows. Not anymore. And we need to be able to find, you know, we better be able to explain them the difference between the two. Don't ever make your kid feel bad about having sexual desire. Teach them that it's healthy, that it's to be confined within marriage, and that it's something that God has given them. Don't make them feel guilty about, you know, going through the exploration process. It turns comes when all of a sudden the hormones start raging in their body. Teach them that it needs to be, it's something that's God given, but it needs to also be controlled. And there's nothing wrong with it if we do it the way God says to do it. Speak positively and openly about sex in front of your kids. Man, I can't think of anything better than a mother and a father, a husband and a wife, to be embracing one another, to kiss one another in the presence of their kids, to show affection to one another, and not make it seem like it's something dirty and disgusting and that's something that needs to be hidden behind doors somewhere. That's, That's absurd and that's nonsense. Because it's healthy when a child sees that the most wonderful gift that any man can give his children is to show his children how much he loves their mother. We need to understand that. We need to also encourage our male children to respect women, to respect girls, to respect women, to treat every woman that they meet or every girl that they meet as if they're just a, you know, a fellow creation of God, which they are, that they're a joint heir of Christ, that they are somebody to be respected, to be honored, just like that girl was, her, was his sister. And we also need to teach our girls, to not wear sexually explicit clothing or provocative clothing that will arouse the sexual desire within a man. We need to teach them to dress modestly and understand what that means and to teach them why it's so important that they do that because men and women are different, they think different, men are visual, and we need to teach our children this. But you know what? The last thing I wanted to bring up is if we're going to stop pornography in our culture, I believe it has to start with God's people. And the reason I say that is, after all, we are God's moral agents for change on this earth. We are salt, which is to preserve society. We are light, which is to expose darkness. And pornography certainly is darkness, and there's nothing good or there's no light in it at all. It's evil from the word go. We need to be used by God to expose what's going on in our culture around us. To be used by God to bring about change. And I find a statement in my studies that may help you understand and all of us understand our responsibility as we go throughout not only this particular session but throughout this whole series on morality. And it goes like this. I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have the Holy Spirit's power. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look up, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed, my present makes sense, and my future is secure. I am finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame visions, mundane talking, chintzy giving, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudance, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by presence, lean by faith, love by patience, lift by prayer, and labor by power. My pace is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way is rough, my companions few, my guide reliable, my mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, deterred, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversity, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, back up, let up, or shut up until I've preached up, prayed up, stored up, and stayed up the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Christ. I must go until heaven returns, give until I drop, preach until all know, and work until he comes. And when he comes to get his own, he will have no problem in recognizing me. My colors will be clear. How clear are your colors in the area of sexual purity? How clear are your colors? If you're guilty you'll be forced to be tolerant of what's going on in our culture because you are one of them if you're guilty you need to confess it before God agree with his word that what you're doing is wrong you need to repent of it you need to get rid of all the junk that you have in your house you need to get rid of all the trash that you've been looking at you need to stop doing what God says not to do and then after you've done that then you can take a stand and you can be accounted among God's people And then guess what? Your colors will be clear. God, help us to understand that we need to take a stand for this nature's future is riding in the balance. Let's pray. Father, thanks for this opportunity to look at a blight in our culture, one that we have allowed to slowly penetrate and permeate every area of our lives, God. God, may our colors be clear. May we be guiltless before you in this area of our life. God, help us as we confess where we've been wrong and we repent and we stop doing it. To be empowered by your spirit, to be vocal and visible as salt and as light in our community. God, we just thank you that we have a court system that allows local communities to decide what that standard is. And now, God, all we need to do is understand that that's the truth and arise in mass to stand up against it. God, may we hold our elected officials accountable for what they're doing. May people like Janet Reno see what a tragedy, what a, what a compromise it is to sell out the special interest groups or special sexual agendas that are out there. God, help us all to turn back to the word of God for moral guidance and direction before it's too late. God, help us to see that there's a way that seems right to man, but its end is destruction, and how pornography is destroying our culture, how sexual immorality is destroying our churches and our culture, our neighborhoods, our families. God, help us not to condone it, but to stand up and condemn it for what it is. And it's a deception and a lie from the pit of hell. God, we just thank you that you empower us to do it. God, help us as your people to continually uphold your moral, traditional laws and absolute values. And we thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen.